Good morning. As you may have noticed, I am not Dan. But shorter. So, um, Dan is not feeling well today, so um, I'm hoping that maybe he's joining us online with so many others. And uh, when he uh, texted and said, would you preach tomorrow? He also said, I've started the message. So you can just use that and sort of, you know. So I bring to you the message of Dan with a few additions from Wendy. Now, in our lectionary readings this week, we take a break from Matthew's gospel. The gospel reading today comes from John, and Dave did not read that for you. It concentrates on the baptism of our Lord, and we looked at that rather extensively last week. So Dan felt the leading to look at something a little different today. The other assigned readings, which Dave was kind enough to read for us, are very much connected to one another and speak to the importance of community. So for those of you who have your Bibles with you, you might want to mark that we are going to make reference to Psalm 40, Isaiah 49, as well as the first chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians. So that will give you the opportunity to follow along. So as said, there is a common thread, which is the one of community. There's been a sadness for Dan as he prepared for this message. And because the, the more we look at our world, the more we see the idea of individualism as opposed to community. There are many people who have mentioned to him that they cannot serve others or join life groups because they're introverts and being with people doesn't fit with who they are. So my first question, because you know I like an audience participation message, how many of you consider yourselves to be introverts? Very nice. I had a couple at the first service who were so introverted they were hesitant to raise their hand. <laughs> it was cute. So the very idea that being an introvert means that there is an inability to connect with others is wrong. I'm here to tell you that again, it's wrong. Being an introvert does not mean that you cannot talk to strangers, yet we have allowed the world to convince us of this, that introverts are not people people. Now please don't mishear. Dan is an introvert. He gets the need for alone time. But this alone time helps him to recharge so that he can then interact with other people, say hi to a stranger, spend time with others in Bible study, and in serving the wider body of Christ. Now let me interject. As many of you know, I am an extrovert. Surprise, huh? But I am surrounded by introverts. I am the only extrovert in my family. Feel sorry for them. My daughter is an introvert. Many of you know Joy. She spends most of her days teaching and training people on proprietary software. These people are from all over the world, and she can be on the phone or on Zoom or whatever with them for hours at all kinds of times. But when her workday is over, she needs an hour. She wants to sit down with a crochet project and a cup of coffee and just leave me alone. 
because all of that interaction with people has drained her batteries. And here's the key. How do we recharge? By having some alone time or by interacting with people? Being an introvert simply means that one is not charged or refilled by being around people. Introverts require that quiet time, a little alone time, in order to have that energy to be around people. Whereas the extroverts is the opposite. We get our, our energy from being around people and that way we can survive the alone time and the downtime. Whether introvert or extrovert, humans have been made for community. We have been made to be with other people. The importance of community and being part of it is often disregarded, especially here in the United States. A society pushes the notion that everyone, through hard work and effort, can get anywhere they want to go, each person for themselves, striving for greater things. We are all destined for greater things, but that greater thing is a life in Christ. If we look at what scripture tells us, and particularly those that we have read this in the, from the lectionary today, we see that our focus should not be on an individual status, but on the wider community and our place within it. We are made for community. We are made for teamwork. How many of you have been part of a team, coached a team, play on a team, watch teams? Yeah, teamwork. We're not made for individualism, we're made for collectivism. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians really digs into the importance of community. How we are made to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We are made to be part of the church. He writes here to the, to the church of Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, those called to be saints, together with those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy for us to consider this and look inward at our family here at St. John as being our community. We can be tempted to look even further inward and choose as our community those who attend the same time or style of worship, those who are involved in the same ministry, or those who are in the same life group. Yet Paul is quite clear here that we need to think bigger than that. We need to think about all those who have been called to be saints in every place. We need to be thinking about the worldwide, capital C, church to which we belong. Starting at verse 4 from the first chapter of Corinthians, Paul writes, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this takes me over to a, a scripture we didn't read this morning. This is from Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> in case you want to make a note, where Paul mentions he himself granted that some are apostles, prophets, evangelists, 
pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Now, in order to reach full maturity, we must be willing to step into the calling which we have received. And sometimes we have to stretch a little and take a big step. What is the calling? Well, we may hear a call to do a lot of various tasks for God throughout the course of our lives. <clears throat> However, the most important calling that each and every one of us has is that of being a disciple of Christ. The passage from Isaiah speaks to the higher calling God bestows on those he calls. Starting at verse 5, we read, And now the Lord says, Who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him? For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, and the slave of rulers, kings shall see and stand up. Princes shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Now, as Christians, we, we attribute these words to Jesus. We read them as anticipating his salvific work. That's Dan's word, salvific. Yet this theme of God choosing individuals to become part of the bigger picture with a specific task in mind is not uncommon in scripture. Paul, in Galatians chapter 1, another one we didn't mention before, speaks of being set apart before he was born and called by God through his grace and revealing Christ to him. The purpose of the revelation was not for Paul, but it was a gift he was, to hold, was not to hold on to, but to share Jesus among the Gentiles. Okay, so you're sitting there. How many of you think, I'm just like Paul? No. You're sitting there thinking, I am not Paul. And you would be right. You're not. You are, though, as Jeremiah proclaims, consecrated and have been since before you were born. Chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. So whatever happens in your life, you need to hold on to the fact that you are consecrated. That as the psalmist declares, even though your iniquities overtake you, the mercy of God is not withheld. The call that you have is a simple one. Accept the invitation to be in relationship with the Father through the Son, and not only receive, but step into the gift that he has made you to be using. No need to make it complicated. No need to add additional requirements. Just accept his invitation and then take his hand 
and step into that gift. Returning to Ephesians 4, that is the apportionment of grace which he has lavished on each and every one of us. That grace is not something we hold on to, but as Paul shows us, it is for the good of the wider community. The church needs apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers in order to be fully resemble Christ. We are the church. We are his body. And as such, we should be resembling him in the world and to the world. In his fullness, Christ was the perfect example of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And he calls his church to follow his example. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but we're going to follow his example in whatever one of those areas we are. Individually, we are unable to achieve all that God calls the church to be. However, collectively, together, we can reach maturity. Collectively, we can enter into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. So as Psalm 40, verse 10 states, let us pray for ourselves and for each other that we do not hide his saving help with our hearts, that we go and speak of his faithfulness and his salvation, that we do not conceal his steadfast love and faithfulness from the wider congregation. So I'm going to invite the band to start moving toward the front. And I want you to begin reflecting on the important fact that you are made to share the good news. I'm going to repeat that. You are made to share the good news. Before you were born, God knew you. He called you to this very life. And having accepted the invitation to be one with him, the challenge follows to share the good news of deliverance and to not restrain your lips. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us all gifts to serve you and for a community with whom to serve and for a wider community to serve in your name. We will do each do things slightly differently because you've gifted us each slightly differently. But together, we can share the good news with the world. As a team, let us encourage one another to use our gifts and to work together toward the common goal of sharing the gospel with those who are in need of a relationship with you. Forgive us for the times we fail to hear your call and show us each and all how to step into that calling. Send your Holy Spirit to ignite the flame in our hearts and give us direction. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>